When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Rhodes and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. Welcome to Kicking It with Grant Mahoney and I am Jeff Woody. This is on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. We are live digitally live because uh, scheduling with four people becomes a bit. Um, four people, you might be wondering. There's Grant Mahoney. Hi, Grant. Hello. How are you, Jeff? There's me. There's Aiden, the producer, who's just been screwing around with everybody Let's just call it that before we started and we got a guest so before we start introduce that guest uh thank you to kelderman kelderman manufacturing uh if you are a person who tailgates which many of you are we officially made it to the actual start of the season and if you have an rv or a truck or a trailer if you need something you want to boost that thing you want to get a little you want to get some accessory you want to lift it you want to change something about it kelderman manufacturing contact they're the ones that are going to do a plus work on getting your truck or heavy machinery to be what you need it to be. But we have officially, like I said, we officially made it to the start of the season. It's game week, baby. Week we did it, um, and it it kind of felt like it sort of feels like you uh, it's like a cro- like a transatlantic voyage where like you leave from I don't know London, whatever, and you're just in the ocean and you have no idea when you're gonna get there. This year, the seas have been a little rocky. We didn't quite get Titanic-wise. We lost a couple passengers along the way. Lost a couple passengers, uh, bucks and people off the ship. There was a mutiny a little bit. Um, But we have reached the point where you can see the harbor. When that first harbor naturally is in Cedar Falls, Iowa. So you wisely got us someone who is uh, in that harbor who can give us an idea of what we're cruising into before we actually get to Saturday. Who do we have as a? Because we're going to do the try and do this as much as we can to get someone from the the upcoming team to get an idea whether it's a reporter or a kicker or special teams player or a football player, somebody who played there, someone who has some knowledge of the situation to be able to give us an idea of what's what we're getting into. So, the, are you and I guessed? Who is it, Grant? Yeah, so I had to go back to my three one nine roots. I played against this gentleman back in high school, and he went on to have a, a great career at you and I, where he was an all American kicker. Three uh, times Tyler. Three time all American. Three time all American kicker. His name is Tyler Severson. Go ahead and bring him on if you'd like to, Aiden. There he is. How are you, Tyler? Hey, guys. Excited to be here. Thanks for joining us, Tyler. I'm outnumbered by kickers. Yeah. Never a bad thing. <laughs> uh, so uh, welcome, man. Appreciate you uh, popping on. Thank you. Glad to be here. Excited to have this very in-depth conversation about this first game, which is always, most of the time, always going to be a good one. Okay, so I, I kind of have to ask because as Iowa State fans, and this is whether or not it's it's Iowa or Iowa State, when you're playing a Northern Iowa, um, so Todd Blythe coached at UNI for a while. Uh, he played, obviously, at Iowa State. And one of the things he was saying is that, like, pretty much your whole offseason, it doesn't necessarily – you're not, like, planning to win one game and then screw it for the rest of the year. But there is more emphasis put on the Iowa slash Iowa State first game of the year. What's that like – 
being a guy at UN, like what type of prep does the team normally go to when you're playing against one of the, in, the other in-state schools? What's that like for you guys? 100%. And I think it all goes back to kind of like a personality of, you know, you, you may or may not have gotten recruited by an in-state school. But so we all go back to, okay, so this is for us to make a name for ourselves. So we, we're always the little brother, always will be. Um, and so it's our chance to go out and show what we can do. Um, like you said, it's not always just preparing for one game one at a time because obviously everyone knows the the MVFC is stacked with talent. Um, but we definitely put an emphasis on those first games when we actually get to go to a stadium um, like Jack Trice and just have so many people cheering against you. Um, but a lot of them are your family and friends, uh, which is awesome. So a lot of that hard work, um, like I said, it's it's more of a personality type. It's you have to know going into it that we're motivated to kind of make a statement if we can. Yeah, that makes sense. And you kind of touched on it too, Tyler. And and I, I've never asked anybody this question. Uh, you know, who's played in Jack Trice? Be honest. What was it like being a, a road team? Uh, your first, I believe, your first career game was at the historic Jack Trice Stadium. What was that like? I made a 42-yard field goal by about this much. Oh, so you're for you audio listeners, that's about 10 inches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's basically what it was. Um, and that was right after Billy Holgren had left, and you guys had blocked a field goal um, for him uh, that year before. So my training as a kicker, it was all uh, just make sure you don't get blocked. Uh, that literally was the conversation, and if I were of – gotten blocked I probably wouldn't be here in a three-time All-American I probably would have been sat the first game um but Jack Trice is amazing um I love the fans I love the atmosphere um and when I talk about it it's like I've been to Kinnick uh we actually got to play Wisconsin got to play at Camp Randall but there's nothing there's nothing like the atmosphere um in Ames to be honest hey we appreciate that yeah that's nice it's good good to hear I mean I'm biased I think it's Jack Trice's pretty damn great um so what y'all gotta compete with montana though montana was the loudest because it's on the side of a mountain and so everything it reverbs they've got some acoustic engineering that's that's (laughs) not fair that's (laughs) we just gotta build like one of those giant uh like a european football like a a curved roof that like funnels the sound back in we're gonna do that like like what's what seattle has oh yeah with the the 12s no you just have good engineering seattle settle down um so what years did you play? And then, because I think this is important for at least, because we were kind of kind of prepping for this. We were thinking about a, a conversation point. So what years were you there that you actually played at? Um, so I was there, I uh, graduated 2009 from high school. So I was there, I started 11, 12, and 13. Okay. So the coaching staff that you had, so going into Iowa, Iowa State UNI for this year. So the coaching staff that you had, is actually almost sort of like a the band is getting back together, right? Like yeah. that. So with w- the natural starting talking point when you're talking you and I Iowa State this year is so Ryan Clanton was Northern Iowa's offensive line coach, and now is the Iowa State offensive line coach. That's kind of a direct line from one to the other. Well, one, what type of effect do you think that losing Clanton is going to have on these guys? And I think the answer has something to do with your coaches, at least in some part. Yeah, for sure. So I think um, the guys are, because they had spent time with him, it's going to be a little bit of adjustment. But the man that they're bringing in, Rick Nelson, um, was actually the offensive line coach when I was there. 
Um, and he has made um, leaps and bounds in the coaching world. Uh, Rick Nelson is, is one of the greatest coaches that, that I've ever been around. Terrific human, too. He was the head coach at Ankeny. He was my guy who recruited me. I have nothing but positive things about Rick Nelson. Won a state title at Ankeny. Um, but it feels like what Farley is doing or what you and I is doing is, is they're bringing back kind of the boys are back in town. Uh, so a lot of the coaches that were coaching when I was there, um, so you have Atif, you have Jeremiah Johnson, uh, Bryce Pop is still there. And then obviously bringing in Rick Nelson is a huge thing, um, especially as how young um, this team is going to be. Uh, I think that bringing in those veteran coaches um, are going to be huge for you and I. So one of the other things, so like the, the natural dynamic, I think that will will be interesting and, you know, we, we've talked about it offline. We're not necessarily, we don't have to hash out the Mark Farley takes because people know where I stand. Uh, but one of the things that's that Nelson having been there for so long is a guy who can push back when Farley wants to push, you know, is essentially Farley says, do something. Nelson doesn't, doesn't agree with it, can push back on Farley essentially to represent the other side of an argument. And I, the reason like where that comes familiar is that's sort of how, the end of the Rhodes tenure, what sort of happened is that there weren't, it's not necessarily that there were yes men, I'm not saying that, but there were, with Herman there, there was a lot of times when Rhodes said, do this, and Herman said, not piss off, we're doing this instead. And that natural push-pull, whether it was healthy arguments or sometimes more heated arguments, there is naturally two sides to, a, to the story, so you can actually have, uh, you can get multiple points of view in there. And I think Mark Farley's personality is very much do this or else. And Nelson is one of the guys who can say, "Not nah, Mark, get out of here. So I think that just dynamic wise, does that, is that in the right sort of, uh, I don't know, emotional dynamics of the coaching staff? Does that seem right? I feel like it's more of a trust factor um, <clears throat> because Nelson had been there for so long. Uh, Farley knows that he can, he works into the system. Um, obviously they're on different sides of the ball. Um, but like bringing in Jeremiah Johnson, uh, coach Johnson had, was there, uh, when I was there and he had been there since he was an intern, I believe. Um, so it's bringing back the guys that he knows, um, and trusts and can be like, Hey, on fourth down, are we going to do it or not? You know what I mean? It's, it's more like trusting within the program. Um, obviously you always have to talk about the program, uh, but it's trusting that instinct, um, and knowing that they're going to make the right decision. Um, it's more of a, also to a familiarity. Um, he knows how they're going to react and act. So I feel like bringing back these guys um, is kind of the, the first point in continuing to get you and I to the playoffs and continuing to perform for um, our fans in which they, they expect us to perform every year. So, Tyler, you've talked about a few different coaches. Would you mind, I guess, renaming those coaches and just saying what position groups uh, they, they coach? Just for, I mean, our, our fans aren't going to know, you know what positions they are. Yeah, for sure. So, Jeremiah Johnson, he's coming in as the defensive coordinator. Um, he was coaching mostly DBs when I was there. Um, Atif uh, is doing the running backs. Uh, so, he coached uh, David Johnson when he first came to you and I. So, that's uh, Johnston. Is that Johnson? Da Johnston. David Johnson. Oh, God, that guy. Yeah, you know that guy? that guy? That guy who had like 700 yards against us when we played. Because he was an – because you're an 09 grad. I'm an 09 grad. I think David Johnson's an 09 grad. 
man, that sucked. Tack, uh, uh, tack, apparently, tackling him was like tackling a, a mini bus. Yeah. He has very strong legs, kind of like a thoroughbred. It's, <laughs> it is amazing to see him work. Um, and then we have uh, Rick Nelson, who's coming back for the offensive line. Yeah. Sweet. So we, we kind of talked about Clan too and, and, and Rick Nelson. So, and this is maybe the last thing we can, we can talk on O line, we can transition, but. So Clanton's big thing is, you know, he's, he's been told or been, been uh, he's said multiple times within practice, like, Hey, I don't care if you mess up as long as you're violent. He just, his whole thing is just be violent. Does, you, you know, does, does Nelson have anything that's like his, Hey, have pretty feet. Like, does he have anything that's, <laughs> that's I want you to dress oh, really well. That's what yeah, you need to do as an offensive lineman dress really well. No, so I think Nelson have any, any kind of MO that he's like, you know, go knock their heads off. Nelson is more of a, an old school style of coach. Uh, so it's hard working. Uh, you're working in the trenches, you're digging the whole time. Um, it's you go 110%. Um, even if you make a mistake, you're doing that mistake at 110%. Um, so it's more so, guys, we, this is it. You are the front line. Um, so you got to bring it every day, 110%. Um, making sure that, like I said, definitely um, Arusha was there to a lot of practices. Uh, so a legendary coach at UNI, offensive line. Um, and so I think that Nelson learned a lot from him. Um, so, again, it's more old school style. You're going to be in the trenches. you got to dig hard. So he's kind of an attitude and uh, attitude and energy kind of guy, things you can control. Yep. So uh, regarding – not necessarily regarding the coaching staff, but like with – so as a – as a both former player and also kind of a, a fan of just watching Northern Iowa over the last few years, Theo Day is sort of the name that jumps out to everybody because, you know, it, he is he's the most experienced quarterback in the state of Iowa at the school that you're at. I mean, Cade McNamara has played some at Michigan. Uh, neither Rocco Beck nor J.J. Cole have played at all, really, uh, for Iowa State. So Theo's the guy that's – he is the, the – you know, he's, he's, the one, he's the name that – he's the marquee name. According What's to Farley, it? he's the best quarterback in the state, quote unquote. I, I mean, I don't. Farley's gonna. He always. He's always gonna chirp something before the before the. He's gonna be like, we have the best defensive line in the conference, or we have the best linebacker. Whatever. He's gonna chirp about something. Uh, what is so? Th- describe Theo Day's game for those of us who haven't gotten to see him recently, because the last quarterback I believe has been it's not Will Mc, is the the Will McElvain. McElvain from Lincoln was the, mm-hmm. the last quarterback that Iowa State played against. So the, the entire time that Theo Day has been there hasn't played against Iowa State. So Iowa State fans haven't been able to see him, and it's not like you're going to watch game film of Northern Iowa versus Youngstown State to be get a sense of what the game's going to be. What is Theo's game like, and why is he such a marquee name? Yeah, it's actually been really fun to watch Theo Day kind of progress um, because he looks like a pocket passer. He's tall. He's able to throw that ball, but he can also run. So that's why I feel like Farley is is very excited about this because not only do you have the option to pass, but you can also run with the quarterback. So that's why I think Theo Day sticks out. Um, and when you think about it, I mean, back when we played – uh, you had like Terrell Rennie, who was a running quarterback. And that's pretty much all he could do. He wasn't a pocket passer. We haven't really had a dynamic. Fast as hell, though. Fast as hell. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fast and elusive. Um, but no, I feel like 
the reason why you and I is so excited about Theo Day is because he has a lot of potential. He has a lot of experience. Not only has he, he's been in the UNI program long enough to learn the system, um, but also he's had experience playing at Michigan State, for example. So um, I feel like that's really exciting having that much um, experience and stuff that you can put on the resume. Um, so that's why it, it is it is going to be exciting to see. Um, you know, you're only going to find out on Saturday. So, so I, I you know I had heard that he's a, a dual threat quarterback. So I looked up some stats. Correct me if I'm wrong. On ESPN, it says last year he only had 66 yards rushing on 70 attempts. That can't be right, right? Yeah, it could be. <laughs> no, um, the issue that we had last, the offensive line wasn't great last year. Um, if you look at what? He's going to sack a ton, and like obviously his rushing yards will go down. Yeah, and because I feel like we were in a program where that offense was more bet for him to sit in the pocket and pass. Um, and so if you, if you can't get the blocks, you can't get the blocks. I mean, it, it, that's an offensive flaw. Um, but I would like to see just watching him. Cause I mean, I'm, I have ESPN three. I watch every single game. Um, just watching him progress. I feel like too, his eyes are going to get, are, should be better. Uh, he should have more instinctual, um, kind of movements to get outside of the, the, um, the pocket if he has to. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to. I mean, every year you're going to grow. Um, if I look at myself from my redshirt sophomore year to finally my senior year where, I mean, you're going to have differences, um, once you understand the program. So, yeah, I, I'm interested. One of the things that as a, as a, someone who's more, who, who watches things, not necessarily through rose colored glasses of like, you know, I, I want Iowa state to win, but it, I'm going to have to talk about it either way. So like you're watching more analytically than anything. One of the things that is interesting about how Iowa state plays is the, the way that Iowa state's defense is structured is different than pretty much anybody else's in the conference in, in the country, except the teams that have copied Iowa state, like a Baylor, like Clemson actually plays Iowa state's defense. So you have this really unique front that Iowa state plays this really unique secondary that I was, that you're going to be playing against with Iowa state. One of, the, one of the things that I'm interested to see, because no quarterback, regardless of how good they have been, uh, no quarterback has just been comfortable against Iowa State's defense and that with this scheme. And that's Baker Mayfield. That's Jalen Hurts. That is, uh, you know, Will whatever. Will Iowa Greer. State still handily took him out of the Heisman contention. Like that, no quarterback has felt comfortable there. I'm interested to see mentally because the coaches or the quarterbacks that have succeeded or the teams that have succeeded against, uh, I mean, Max Duggan notwithstanding, because that that was a completely different situation at the end of the year, and that was just kick the shit out of Iowa State. But other than that, basically the, the teams that have succeeded against Iowa State to have bigger wins have been those that can, re- can very quickly forget bad plays because bad plays will happen against this defense. Is that a trait that Theo has, or is that a trait that you wish he had? Because how is he able to forget mistakes or is he able to, or does he start to, to push a little bit when it's not going the way he wants it? I don't think he's been tested in a way that he's going to see against Iowa state. Um, The only way that I say that is, is because Iowa state's defense has always traditionally been a lot faster. Uh, You can tell me if I'm wrong, Um, but they play very quick. Um, It's unlike 
when you see North Dakota State, right? North Dakota State, they're just going to bang. And that's yeah. That's North, North Dakota State is going to take a sledgehammer to your mouth. Like they're not going to yeah. do it very fast. They're just going to take a sledgehammer to your mouth and see how many times before your face breaks open on they're both offense see, and defense. They're going to see if you can make it to 15 rounds. Yeah. Same with South, South Dakota State. It's going to do the same thing. Um, I would say the only equivalent that would be anywhere close would probably be like an Illinois State. Um, they move a little bit faster, but. I don't, I don't know necessarily if he's been tested. So that will be something, something to look out for, for sure on Saturday to see if, if he can get those pre-snap reads, if he can change, if he can move, if he can be dynamic um, with what Iowa state is providing on defense. So kind of, kind of transitioning, I guess, Jeff, you have anything else to say about quarterbacks? No, uh, not necessarily with quarterbacks. I was going to switch to a different position group. So yeah, I was going to say, Tyler, can you, can you talk about like running backs or, or tight ends, receivers, any, yeah, any kind of stuff we should Who's who, going to who be, be for? who do we, we need? What, who and what numbers do we need to pay attention to? And being like, oh, fuck, that guy's coming. <laughs> um, so, wide receiver wise, uh, Sam Schnee. Um, so, he's been in the program for a while. He would definitely be um, one person to look out for. Like I said, too, our offensive line um, is pretty young. Um, so, that'll be interesting to look out for. Can they um, hold up to Iowa State's defense? Um, when you think about it even deeper, that's going to be one thing for Theo Day to keep together is can he show the leadership skills that he has to? Um, always with younger people on offense, he's going to have to to pick them up and say, hey, we got to flush this play, just like Jeff said. It's going to be can you get up after maybe making a bad play, throwing an interception, maybe we have a fumble, maybe he gets sacked. Um, I think that'll be the question to see if if he can kind of get up and and make that play. Because you and I are replacing, they have four in offensive linemen, correct? Yep. And not only, I think last year, one of the interesting things about last year regarding regarding offensive line, it, it, I don't want to say, you know, because an Iowa State fan might be like, oh, I, you and I's offensive line was bad last year, and we got offensive, you and I's offensive line coach. Well, that sucks. Uh, replacing two NFL draft or first round NFL draft tackles in back-to-back seasons. So Trevor Penning and Spencer Brown both got drafted in, in 2022 and 2021, respectively. Both of your tackles are first round NFL draft picks and you replace them. A way that I've described that I, that I kind of describe to people who haven't played is like the, the air, the tip of the arrow is the same tip. So like the angle of like between, you know, how fat the arrowhead is, is sort of like the difference at the very, very point of the arrowhead is the, the best guy. At the width of that is the seventh best guy. And at LSU, the difference between the first best guy and the seventh best guy is not that big. Like the, the backups, backups, backups at LSU are pretty damn good still. Yeah. The difference is the point of the spear at, of that arrowhead at FCS programs, especially really good FCS programs like a UNI, like an SDSU, like a North Dakota State, they're the same quality players at the very, very tip. The difference is the seventh best guy on UNI's roster is way different than the seventh best guy on Iowa State's roster. So the depth becomes more of a problem. So when you're replacing two first-round draft NFL tackles, replacing them, you're not you're not just going to find a Spencer Brown just out of nowhere, like a team like, you know, whatever, Iowa can find an alignment and just put them in. So I think that's one thing. So anyway, replacing four offensive linemen, that's going to be an interesting tall task for Northern Iowa. Yeah. 
Um, and I 100% agree. I just I think it's really nice though that we we have Nelson back, and I think that he's I mean he's pushed out many <laughs> NFL offensive linemen. Uh, so I think that again going back to the fact that we have a younger offensive line and having somebody an experienced coach like Rick Nelson uh, will be good for you and I. Can you talk about uh, like you and I as running backs or t- didn't you and I have a good tight end a couple years ago? Remember they did. Um, I'm not, I'm not real sure about the tight ends or running backs to be honest. Okay. That's fine. Well, that's fine. We have the depth chart came out we today, should, which we're going to talk. We're going to talk should be about, concerned about the tight ends or running backs. Either, then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you guys don't know about it. We don't know about it. Uh, Iowa <laughs> State's depth chart came out and there are four oars. There's five potential starters. Uh, at Iowa for Iowa State's running back position, there's four wars on the I depth chart. It. Awesome. So, who are we gonna see? I don't know either. Hey, but but can they go against you and I's defense? Uh, you tell me who on you and I's defense, because that's been a that's been a thing that like in the past it's always I I remember Ben Boothby was the yeah. one that we played against in when I was there and he was like five ten like. 290 285 like not huge played nose guard but had the fastest freaking hands and no matter which direction you ran to he was going to just be in the way like he yeah. might not get the sack but just going to be in the way who on this defense is is someone to watch out for or has been annoying to other teams um i think the one is defensive end uh cornelius bailey um he's a familiar name to Iowa State fans, he transferred from Iowa State to you and I, and he's done very well. Yeah, so he's one to look out for. Again, we're we're pretty young, but the nice thing about the nice thing about the defense at you and I is it doesn't matter what year it is. We know that they're pretty much going to come out in the same formation, and they're going to say, "Hey, you just got to beat us." Because the one thing that Farley does really well is working with the hybrids. The hybrids are going to come off the end and the linebackers are going to be solid in the middle as always because that's what that's what Farley's known for. He's the walk-on from walk-on. And then our defensive ends, they're going to be grit. They're going to be more like I don't know, I guess you could say more like Iowa farm style. They're just going to hit hard. Um and they're going to come downfield fast as they can. Um and then we also have um there's a stud at cornerback, Wu Governor, uh, who we're pretty excited about. That's an all name. Love that name. Oh, Wu Governor. Oh, oh yeah. man. That sounds like a drinking game. Right? <laughs> Wu Governor. Wu Governor. Yeah. No, yeah. So um, defense is going to be solid. That's one thing that you can expect from a Farley team is the defense is always going to be there. Um, whether they're a little bit smaller, sometimes. Um, or they could be bigger. Like when you talk about Ben Boothby, Boothby is a great example. I mean, that guy worked his patootie off um, every day. Thank you for censoring yourself for gen- sensitive ears. You're you're welcome. Um, I've been working on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, Boothby was an animal. You always knew if that guy had an angle, he was going to get it. It didn't matter who was blocking him. Um, and so that's kind of that's one thing that stays with the program um, tradition wise is we're going to have discipline uh, defensive linemen. The linebackers are going to come downfield if they have to. 
The only question then is the passing game. And that has always been a you and I thing. But I think with Jeremiah coming back, um, they're going to get back to, we used to have lockdown D. Um, I could always expect that the ball wasn't going to move very far. We were going to get on offense. And the only thing was, is when was I going to kick fuel? So we'll see how it is this year. Like I said, we do have young guys. Um, but the one thing you can always trust that you and I will, will produce is, is a defense. We're also, I mean, that, that kind of gives me, you know, concern, I guess, because I guess not concern, but it's something we're going to, we knew going into the season that, you know, Iowa state has, we're replacing, you know, our starting quarterback, our starting running back, a starting lineman, starting tight end. So we're replacing some guys that got, booted and then you also had those seniors so we're, we're, we're young as well too and inexperienced um you know we're going to be starting trotting out a quarterback who's never started before so um yeah i know you and i always gives us a, a great fight it's always a great first game great test um so i, I think that it'll be a, a low scoring game um another guy that i had i had kind of done some research on and i'm not sure if you know much about him uh christian boyd D yeah. as well too yep yeah boyd's been there i think he started the last two maybe last two years last year yep so yes it sounds like um in the trenches sounds like will be kind of something to you know to look for where iowa state's offensive line you know has always kind of been a, a question mark and now that clanton's come in it's you know hopefully we're a lot better and then obviously you know sounds like that's maybe you and i's strength too is the the d-line well no, they'll definitely put them in a lot of movements too i mean they'll they'll cross and they'll they won't make it easy was so <laughs> Farley always has stuff up his sleeve for the first yeah. time. Logistically, so so the defense is, if I remember correctly, it's a three down front. So it's a it's a three four kind of where where you were mentioning that hybrid. There's a guy. He's more of like a uh he's a he's a linebacker body who plays more like a rush end, sort of like a Von Millery kind of position where he's not a defensive lineman, but he's not a linebacker. Like that's sort of and so you got three defensive linemen. The, it, so it's similar in in similar to Iowa State in the person the body types that you're going to be looking at on the defensive side. So front seven wise, your nose guard is going to be you're the biggest defensive lineman that you have. He's just what's the you got a 300 pounder? He's going to be right there. If you don't have a 300 pounder, it's going to be the dude that has the fastest hands and can just hold his own against a guard. Your defensive ends are going to be guys that are more like uh, any Wazirike light, where Wazirike is a guy who ended up playing for the Broncos, suspended this year for the whole gambling thing, but is six was six five three twenty, but plays like a three technique where is sort of a defensive lineman and sort of a defensive end but then you have another guy who's out there whose main job is just get to the quarterback like that hybrid position is get to the quarterback but throw some wrenches in when you get there and then because you and i is not going to probably get a six foot three three 250 pound linebacker most of the time the linebackers the way that they play is going to be smart and fast where they're not going to be big dudes. They're just going to be dudes that know exactly where to be at the right spot, and they're going to get there very, very quickly. So with that, you have, generally speaking, and if you have a, a smaller nose guard, and we played in Northern Iowa two, two or three times, I think, when I was there, 09, I don't know, 09, 11, and 13 maybe. And they, the three times we played him there is kind of a different personnel if you have a really small quick three to uh, like nose guard the guy who's playing straight zero nose you can move around a whole lot you the 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 entire defensive line can stunt because they know that they're smarter and faster than you 
generally. So they're not trying to try and out bully ball you. And they're not going to try and be North Dakota state. They're going to take a nose guard from head up to the center, all the way out to near where the tackle is. Then they're going to twist a linebacker back to where he was. And then you're going to have somebody else. And you're just going to pick up these crazy fronts. And the essentially what that, that is telling you to do. If you, if you mind your P's and Q's, if you know where your system is, if you know where you're going to be, you can shred Northern Iowa's defense. But if you don't, know where you're supposed to be you don't follow your rules you're not sure where your eyes should be there's going to be an unblocked defender somewhere and you're screwed and i think that's the gamble that farley's defenses have always played is we bet that you aren't going to execute at the level that we execute therefore you're going to screw up more than we do and if you screw up more than we do you might get six yards on first down but we're going to get you for negative two on second down and now you're third and six and that's what we're going to have. We're going to force you to do that over and over and over and over all the way down the field. And so when Northern Iowa has gotten into trouble, it's been when they've gotten guys that aren't as disciplined and they're not as in the right spot as they need to be. And all that gambling is a lot of missing. And I th- it, it seems like you have a lot of there's a there is a lot of young guys that are going to be on Northern Iowa's defense. So it could honestly go either way, where if they are able to execute, then it doesn't matter who's there. Like you, you have Joe Blow from Arweva, and he's going to find some way to be in the B gap because damn it, he's supposed to be in the B gap. But if he's a guy who's trying to make something happen or doesn't know how to do it or isn't quite there, then at that point you get the the David Montgomery game where it was like, what, like 42 to 17 or something like that, where Iowa State just – it was the only time I remember in my Iowa – high school and growing up fandom where Iowa state just kicked the shit out of you and I, it was the only time that I remember that happening because you and I's defense was undisciplined in that sets. And also David Montgomery is really good, but the I'm interested to see after hearing what they that the UNI defense is really young. I'm interested to see how they execute. Cause I'm guessing pretty well, but we'll see once they actually get on the field, how long they can execute because Iowa State will probably play four tight ends that are all 6'6 six, six or 6'5 six, on up, 260 on up. They're probably going to play eight offensive linemen that are just going to rotate through. And you can execute really well for two quarters. Can you execute really well for four? So that's what I'm really interested in seeing is what not necessarily what the first half looks like, but what does the second half look like just by nature of how they play? You've forgotten our five running backs, too. That we're gonna... Oh, yeah, five. Yeah, all the oars. There's going to be... I it's think probably, both quarterbacks will play too. I think I think three, we'll all three. You're probably gonna yeah. see all three. Yeah. I will I will say this to you about <clears throat> about the defense in general. Um always the smartest person on the field is that hybrid linebacker. So each one of those that's hybrids Tim, they, Sam Tim. Was he the hybrid guy? Sam Tim, yep. Yep. And Great that's dude. why he played it. Same with same with Josh Mahoney. So he actually went on and I think he's a doctor now. Um nice. but always always the smartest guys on the field. Um, they have to the, know their assignments. The only smart Mahoney. There's, there's Dr. Mahoney. There's two Dr. Mahoney's in no relation. But. There's, there's, there's a guy who's named Mahoney who's not dumb. I mean, there's one of them. It spells it differently, but it sounds the same. So so let's get to the real meat and potatoes of uh, this podcast. Let's talk about Matthew Cook. Yeah. Uh, great. Kid. Yeah, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go change a light bulb or do anything else guys yeah jeff we'll see you when you get back we'll see ya so <laughs> so for, for iowa state fans if you remember in 2019 when we when iowa state beat you and i in triple overtime and you and i's kicker 
was four for four in the game. He had a 50-yarder earlier in the game, a 31-yarder in the game, and then the first overtime he made a 49-yarder, second overtime made a 28-yarder, and our fans were like, come on, kid, like, miss, what are you doing? True freshman, absolute freak. That is Matthew Cook, and he is still on UNI's roster. This will be his sixth sixth season? He's cheating at this point. Technically because of COVID. I know. He he broke my extra point record. I was 124 of 124. Uh, he's had more extra points now. I'm not he's salty. He's, he's, he's right now. He's, he's 124 for 124. I'm not salty about it. <laughs> it's like uh, a <laughs> Bohannon making, like, breaking the three-point record. Like, dude, played for seven years. That's why he broke the three-point record. Just more attempts. Well, and Grant, we know we know the Bohannons pretty well, don't we? Yeah. Went to high school. I played, I played ball with I played ball with Zach. <laughs> um, but no, Matthew Cook has has had an extraordinary career. Um, he's putting up really good numbers. Um, he's a solid kicker. Anytime you're in the red zone, you can always trust that you're going to get three points. I'm going to knock on wood because I'm a kicker, and that's what we do. Um, not superstitious at all. No, not, not at all. I had to wear the same socks on each foot. Um, but no, he's, he's done very well and he's, he's made an impact on special teams, uh, which has been awesome to watch. Uh, his long is 56 yards. Uh, kid has a boot. Um, he's accurate. Uh, I just had a talk with Brad Fowler, uh, who was another one of you and I's great kickers. Uh, he went to Kennedy. I beat his records. And then now he's like, yeah, and now Matthew Cook is beating both of our records. And we're like, yeah, but we're really happy about it. <laughs> so it's nice to see that you and I has kind of continued that tradition of great kickers. I mean, yeah. it goes back to Mackenzie Holmbrecker, Brian Winger, Billy Hallgren, um, myself. Schmidke was good. What? Schmidke was good. Yeah, very good. Yeah. You guys so, are also good. And it's, it's cool, too. What, what I love about you and I is that – you know, with, with at the bigger programs, um, and not not you know discrediting you and I, but like Iowa, Iowa State, you know, we, we can go out to maybe a Wisconsin or uh, an Illinois. We can go out of the state boundaries to to find a kicker if we need it. Whereas you and I, they're able to find someone like yourself, you know, within the state that's that's just as good as someone who's from California or Texas. You know, you know, we don't need to you don't need to go that far. And that's what I love about about Matthew Cook is he's he's from Cedar Falls. He's right in their backyard, hometown boy. Yeah, and the kid. I mean, I don't know. I've I've only seen him play that one time, I think. And right away, I was like, "This guy's a he's a freak, like miss." Uh, and he wouldn't. He didn't listen to me. And I, what what do you think his range is? Like, how, obviously, he's, he's at fifty six, but is he good from sixty? Is he fifty six? Is his his long? I mean, you could probably push him to sixty sixty five. Um, oh. Kids, kids got a boot. So, um, whether that changes his accuracy. I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't watched him that much in person. Um, just going to games. I mean, I was at air force last year, which was actually a really cool game, uh, to go to, uh, just driving out and seeing Colorado Springs and all that fun stuff, but just watching him. I mean, he's cool. He's calm. He's collected. Um, uh, from what I hear, uh, he's a really great person, um, in general. Uh, he's also a hard worker. He's in the weight room every day. Uh, he's working along with his teammates uh, Farley has great things to say about him. Uh, so to be honest, as a fan, I, I would, I would trust him any day. Um, so as a, as a non-kicker, big golf fan. And one of the things when you're golfing, you have to take into account like humidity and temperature because there's going to be your added distance or added spin or added whatever. 
Weather on Saturday is going to be 92 with like a breeze. Does that add distance? Like, does the ball compress differently? Does it carry differently? Does it spin differently? Do you have to think about anything else or is it just still the same kick because you're trying not to play a fade or a draw? Like, I, what it, what do you, weather-wise, 92 with a breeze, does that change your approach as opposed to kicking inside at the dome? I will give you this answer. And this is what Nate Kading told me that every kick is exactly the same. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what the weather is, you're going to follow through. And Jamie Cole probably has something to harp in on this one. Um, But we do know that in humidity, the ball's not going to fly as far as it's supposed to. If you have 0% humidity, that ball's going to fly. It's going to fly the true and the way that it's supposed to. The heat, not so much. It's not that big of a deal. Um, humidity is a big thing. Wind is obviously a huge factor. Um, but really, if you just stay true to what you know and you're experienced and you've done this for a while, it, it really shouldn't have any mental change for you. You're always going to just put the ball through the uprights. Be glad you guys are kicking indoors in November and not outdoors, <laughs> kicking rocks, essentially like you do at Jack Trias when it's 20 degrees out. And hey, you can order but Grant, I will, say, I, will, I will say this. Youngstown State, at the end of the season, is a terrible place to play. They call it the Ice Castle for a reason. Oh. It sits on the top of a hill in Youngstown, Ohio. And that wind is brutal. Same with normal Illinois. It's like flat plains. There's no <laughs> there's no protection. That it's ball just goes where, wherever it wants to go. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um we just another like now there's two kickers so i got i get kicker questions again because i think golf and kicking are very 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 similar we're like it shouldn't matter if it's if there's water in front of you if there's a sand trap you have to carry if it's what just it drive as a drive as a drive until there's wind until there's you know take into what your miss percentage is going to be if you tend to pull the ball you might want to push a little bit right so when you're kicking and let's say there it's a 12 it says 12 mile an hour wind on on weather.com right now let's say it kicks up like 20 god damn it kickers sorry uh but what happened like if there is if there's wind do you pick an aiming point that's like hey you're gonna go you know find a spot in the the south end zone or like there's a guy wearing a green shirt in whatever is, is, do you pick a different aiming point or is it just like you look down at the center post and just kick towards the center post like what what is the 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 mechanics in your brain if there's wind or if there isn't wind as far as lining up where you're actually going to be shooting to i'll chance your first time okay um it's actually really nice and uh, and jack tries because when i was playing there you guys have it all closed in now don't you uh, there's, there is, there's still the hillsides, but yeah. now the south end yeah, zone the is completely, yeah, south end zone's completely bowled in. The north end zone has the Jacobson building with a big ass scoreboard above it. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's enclosed, 80% enclosed. The only thing's not, it's in the south end zone. Or they've also, zone. On, the, on the north end zone, they've also added like a sidewalk that goes around it and they've, they put it like walls, which I think would probably cut on the wind a little bit. Yeah, so when I was playing at Jack Trice, I actually picked some guy who was up. So if you're going towards the end zone opposite of the Jacobson building, that's what's called, right? Yeah, so it's the south end zone then. Yeah. So the south end zone, I would actually pick the guy who was up in the top, and I think the play clock was up there too. It's probably on the field now. But 
he, he there was a guy up there and he had a certain shirt on and so if the wind was blowing some way i would pick the guy in the background i would pick that guy who was probably let's say it's a 10 mile an hour wind um and i'm kicking straight ahead wind is coming from the right to the left i would aim to the guy that was more inside of the uprights um but i always pick somebody who was high up above the uprights because you don't want to aim for somebody lower it, it was just a psychological thing for me i would always find somebody up higher um and then if the wind was more than 10 15 miles an hour i always just aim for the post so if you have a right to left wind you aim for the right upright and so then it'll blow it back to the middle but that was just every kicker is different so grant what did you do yeah i always told myself pick a target high and deep so at jack trice you know we have in the south end zone you've got the guys that are, who are recording so that they're up up high i always vote your alex ernst way up there in the yeah the, the the booth getting blown over when it's 10 degrees yeah i, I always imagine myself you know no matter where i was at i was that was my trajectory i was trying to put the ball i was trying to trying to put it right in ernst's lap um and it's it's kind of um we kind of had the luxury at iowa state too of, of the indoor they were they were in, in the same spot they were recording behind our net that dropped down and I would always try to put it over the net into their lap. And I would, you know, often. Um, but yeah, I, I agree too, you know, depending on how strong the wind is, and that, that's something that you you figure out in pregame too, you know, assuming the wind doesn't change that much. There was, when, when we played at UNLV my freshman year, Geyer and I were lining up from 35 and the wind was so strong in our face, it would go from 35 and then just drop down like before it got to the goalpost. Like this wind is, is brutal. Um, but if, yeah, if, if it's if it's like a left to right or right to right, right to left wind, um, I always, you know, would never go outside of, of the uprights unless it was like a crazy, crazy wind. But at that point, if it's so strong, it'd probably knock it down and, and be shorter as well. So I'd always, yeah, pick something high and deep that was just inside the upright because as a kicker, you don't want to ever aim outside of the upright because if for whatever reason the wind stops and you're kicking outside the upright, you're just setting yourself up for a miss. So that's, that's what I've told myself high and deep. If we play like at Kansas where, you know, just wide open in the background, I would pick a cloud and just imagine I was, you know, kicking that ball to the moon. So that's a really funny story though, because I do have to tell you my sophomore, retro sophomore year when I first started. So that was after the Iowa state game. And at the end of the season, we had to beat Illinois state to go to the playoffs. And we were fighting a 40 mile an hour wind um, in our face. Woo. Didn't make, didn't make anything in warmups. Not even an extra point. And somehow I pulled off a 40-yard field goal. And I just literally put the ball up there and prayed. That's And it went in. And I was like, what? Okay. Pierce threw that wind. Yeah. And well, Jack tries to. It swirls so much. So you could have – I swear to God, there was, there was multiple times where I had wind in my face or the wind at my back, at both halves, you know, kicking both directions. It's like, this makes – why? This makes no yeah, sense. Kick, kickoffs and Jack tries are – you don't know where that ball is going to go. How do you then, do you just, I mean, hit and pray? Is that, is that the, spray, the main spray, goal? Spray and pray. Yeah. Spray. I, I close my eyes a lot and just, you know, <laughs> please, please go where I want it to go. <laughs> and then, and then uh, it was always great when Grant was kicking off because there was like, I don't know what your touchback percentage was, but it was pretty high which was nice because I played, I was a missile. So I was right next to Grant on either side, depending on, you know, which 
how, what our setup was. Uh, and it was awesome because there were a lot of times when you could just, if there is going to be somebody set up to try and trap you and you can just punk a guy who's trying to trap you knowing that the ball's probably going to go out of the end zone. So you can go out of your way a little bit to kind of like give, give a little bit of extra business. So, uh, it was always nice to have Grant kicking off because you could count on a touchback. I pray that these Iowa state teams, this, these next few years will have the same luxury of being able to have a consistent touchback because that's not a thing that's been very good. Um, I'm going to bitch for a second uh, talking about touchbacks. The four years that I was in college were the four years that they moved the kickoff from the 35 to the 30. To the 30. Yep. That was my first year when I started. Did they move it back? They did. I didn't pay attention. Probably your senior year, Tyler. They moved it back to the the 35. Yeah, it was my junior junior year. But I was like, my redshirt sophomore year, I struggled because I never had a big leg. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to try to get it as far as I can. Mm-hmm. By the way, talking about kickoffs, I have one more thing to say. I was on the not top 10 list for 52 weeks on ESPN because we did, we were in the playoffs against Wofford, and I kicked one to the end zone. The guy caught it. Oh, I remember this. And, and then he, he drops take it. A knee. He drops it, and we scored a touchdown because <laughs> so, we recovered it. <laughs> so here to set the scene, uh, Tyler kicks off. Guy goes to catch – or guy catches it. Uh, and doesn't call fair catch, which would call it a touchback, and does al- also doesn't take a knee. But, like, imagine what happens after you call fair catch, where you catch it, and then you kind of either, like, hand it back to the referee or you drop the ball or whatever. And uh, this guy doesn't call fair catch, doesn't take a knee, but he catches it and then acts as if he did. He just totally forgot to call it. So he goes to hand the ball to the referee, and the referee's like, I don't want this. I can't take this place live. So he drops it. And then it's like, just starts walking away. And you and I still, they recover in the end zone. I didn't know that you were the one that actually kicked that because I was, I remember that play for just the sheer dumbness of the entire thing that like, that's also a failure on the, the protector, the guy who's the off returner who should be, cause he's looking at him the entire time, make sure he gets the ball caught of say, you know, the, the, the stay back guy or the come on or whatever. Like that's his job too, of being like, get on the ball. So I don't, that was, I'm, Congratulations! That, but that was, was uh, also after. That was also after he got called for roughing the kicker. That same guy. It's not my proudest moment. So he roughed me, and then we scored a touchdown, and then I kicked it off, and then he was on ESPN's not top ten. So I feel bad for the guy, but he like he barely touched my foot, and I just went down. It was a it was a flop. It Don't feel bad for him, dude. That, that's what we're there for. We're acting. <laughs> you didn't touch me. Went down. It's method, man. It's method. Yeah. I'm just I'm proud of that moment. Still on still on YouTube if you want to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. Uh so to wrap this whole thing up, as a UNI fan slash X player, what are your expectations going into this game? Is the expectation to win? Is the expectation to keep it competitive and we'll see what happens? Is the expectation like what are your expectations as a fan going into this game? I think my expectations as a fan and a former player are I want to see what this coaching staff has done um, with the players that they have. Uh, I, 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 I'm assuming it's going to be a competitive game. I'm hoping it's going to be a competitive game. I'm hoping that you and I wins, but we'll see. I'm excited to see the young players come out and make a name for themselves. I'm excited for them to come out, give 110%. Um, and I'm excited to see Matt Cook just continue. Um, that's what I'm really excited about. I I've talked to this kid. Um, 
I sent him Instagram messages where I was comparing his kick to my kick and it was cool. And I was like, Oh, do you mind if I post this? He was like, yeah, it sounds awesome, but he sounds like a great kid. I think the program is, is always exciting to see um, a new season. I'm excited looking past Iowa state and hopefully we can make a run, a deeper run to the playoffs. And that's something that as a, as an alumni, it's always hard to watch and, and see them not succeed in that way. Um, so I'm looking forward to this year. Uh, just in general, the new coaching staff, um, putting these guys in the right positions, which I know they'll do. Um, and I'm also, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a UNI fan. When they play the Cyclones, I cheer for UNI. But when the Cyclones are playing, I'm always 100% a huge fan just because, Grant, I mean, I love you. Um, I love the program. Uh, so, too, yeah, best of luck to you guys. I hope that this year is is amazing. So. I appreciate that, man. He, for a second there, you sound like a Hawkeye fan. Oh, cheer for Iowa State. Except, except, for, Iowa, Iowa. except for when they're playing Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> that's, You're not that's a Hawkeye fan, though. Tired all that. For the, for the audio listeners, that was a that was a that's a very that's a very stare. grimacing look of negativity. That was no. a death stare at Grant. I'm just kidding. I know. <laughs> I will I will cheer for the Cyclones first. I know you will. Always, and I I will never regret saying that. Well. Thanks for coming on, man. This is a welcome. Thank Congratulations on being the first guest ever. Actually, sec, first vi virtual guest. Rob Gray was the first guest. So congratulations on being the second guest ever on Kicking It. I hope it was good. The, fir the first guest, though, to, to break down a, a, an opponent. Well, and, and hopefully I, I gave the Cyclone fans enough. Not too much, because let's be honest. We, <laughs> I'm, 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 <laughs> I still want you and I to win. But... <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you the dirty dirty um after the game. How about that? Ah, got it. Got it. Shoot, we're on that now. <laughs> mm -mm. All right. All right. Well, thanks, Tyler. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, thanks, thanks for joining, Tyler. All right, Jeff. Well, that was that's the first kicker we've had on. First not I mean, first non-grain kicker. Won't be the last. That's going to be potentially more. I think we're, yeah, we're going to try and do as much of this as we can get getting with it. Yeah. Like I said, former players or whether it's reporters or somebody who knows who knows what you're getting into. Cause as the conference season goes along, we'll have a better idea. You know, you're playing Oklahoma state. You've been able to see Oklahoma state a little bit, but you don't know who the backups are, who the subs are, how they've been performing. Cause you're not watching every game. So it'll be, uh, we're going to try and get somebody from every team to be able to prep into this. Yeah, and that's I think it'll be you know a little more difficult to find someone for the like the Cincinnati's yeah yeah non conference and the new like newbies like the BYU and the Cincinnati's um, you know I feel like I've got a pretty I'm pretty connected in the, the kicking fraternity but when it comes to teams like that yeah we'll we'll, we'll find someone though and we'll, we'll, we'll see uh, yeah. there's gonna be a guy named Daryl who just lives in Cincinnati that's my father-in-law's name does Daryl live in Cincinnati no he lives in Tampa <laughs> oh okay. We can help with UCF then. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Daryl, what do you know about the Knights? Yeah, I, I think that was good, though. I, th I think, you know, what we're going to see um, tomorrow, or what we're going to see um, Saturday is two younger and experienced teams. I mean, you, you and I has got some experience, but it sounds like on, offense, uh, on defense they're pretty inexperienced, and on offense we're pretty inexperienced as well, too. I mean, we're only starting five seniors. Did you see how many freshmen, redshirt or true, are in the – on the depth chart? Lots, lots and lots and lots. And there's two tr starting true freshman linebackers. Uh, there's, I mean, James Neal. Wilkes is a, he's a redshirt. But oh, sorry. Sadowski is true though. Yeah. I mean, kid was in high school last year. So 
it, it, it will be interesting. And I, that's actually what, so on football and random things tomorrow, we're going to come out with, or we're going to record this tomorrow. I think it'll probably come out both, uh, I don't know, sometime soon. Aiden will take care of that. But the, they'll both come out tomorrow. Both are going to come out tomorrow. So later today, once uh, fart comes out, we're going to call and I and Connor are going to go through the depth chart uh, to kind of, you know, essentially break down what we think is actually going to happen because there's so many ores that are on that list that you have uh, going to have to sift through some stuff to get there. Yeah. PJ Fleck would be jealous of how many ores we have on our roster, on our too deep. Row the damn boat, Grant. Row the damn um, boat. The, the one thing I will say about depth about depth chart, and you guys can honestly cover it. Oh, my guy Gilbert. My guy Gilbert is not. Yeah, on. you were. You were Jace Gilbert apologist two weeks ago. I'm still banging his drum, man. Hey, but you know what? I, I will say that I, I still have faith in, in in Jace, and if Contreras is is better than him, I trust the coaches. I trust the coaches, and hopefully, I become a Contreras stand because I don't think nothing about him. Um. Would you be but, a contra- contrarian? Wow, that's a good one. <laughs> that's that's the fan club, the contrarians. But we, I mean, we we had Kiki Rose for you know for for a long time until Andrew Mevis. Yep, except Mevis, and then um, Cole Netton, and then the, the dude they brought in from Oregon State for a year. I can't think of his name. Garrett uh, Garrett Owens. He was good for a year. If you remember him at all? Nope. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping that we can get back because um, special teams kicking has been pretty strong under under Campbell for the most part it's just the other aspects of special teams that have been you know that that hangnail that just when you rip it off it just rips down to your knuckle <laughs> it's just bloody for the rest of the damn year oh dude yeah so right. I think that's good though I think I think uh, it'll be a good game for us though um I don't want to give him predictions I, I think we'll win um but I think it'll be a good game to you know to, to try some new things obviously we have a lot of new coaches on Iowa State's got a lot of new coaches on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, Iowa State's breaking in an offensive coordinator, breaking in a running back coach, offensive line coach. Special, special teams coordinator. Special teams coordinator. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be – I'll be interested to see how Shieldhouse, um, if the offense is much different or um, – yeah, I'm, I'm curious if, you know, if Campbell's still going to have his, you know, his, his, you know, his way, I guess, if you will, and kind of be – this is how we're going to do it, or if he's going to let Shieldhouse kind of do his thing, because Shieldhouse was a he was a great quarterback in college. We'll see. Finally, get to actually see what the team's going to look like on Saturday and park this ship in Cedar Falls Harbor. That's right. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining. In. We will see you next time. <laughs>